0: I encourage you, if you get a chance to look up, there's a video for that song, O Come All Ye Faithful," um, by Sovereign Grace Music, and man, it gets me every time. You think of, you know, Jesus told, in talking to his disciples, said, come all the time. and Tell them to come, and what he, he would speak to them, and often he would say to them, after come, you'd hear some phrase at some point, O ye of little faith. They are supposed to be following him, but they kept doubting what he was saying, and so that song just talked to us that we know we're supposed to be faithful, and we're not always faithful, but I encourage you to look up that video by Sovereign Grace. Oh, come on, you faithful. Thank you, Miss Leanne, for singing that music team. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew 1, Matthew chapter 1. For those of you that are new, or this is your first time here, first time in a long time, you're like, what on earth is going on, and why are we singing about the birth of Jesus? So there is coming up, I don't know if you know, there's a celebration coming up in the coming days about the birth of a nation. You guys, anybody know about this? It's coming up here soon. There's a lot of celebration. And so today we celebrate the birth of our Savior. So our hope, our hope is not in our nation. Our hope is in our Savior. Thus we celebrate His birth today. It's just one way, one way you're like, well, this you're just doing this because you also love Christmas songs and you like wearing tacky sweater stuff. That may also be true, but... Theologically more important than that there is a purpose to why we do this So there is a time and and I hope that on july 4th You do get a chance to bring in other people and celebrate with other christians and neighbors or bring them in and celebrate It's a good thing to do grab hot dogs hamburgers and brats. That's good But even more so today we want to remember the hope that we have in jesus and the birth of our savior So I thank you for coming and celebrating and singing Thank you music team for reminding us of some of these great carols that we could sing about carols of the faith but let's look at What this text says here in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and willing to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as she considered these things, behold, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, Lord willing, we will be in the book of Matthew come September. So next week, again, Lord willing, provided he doesn't return, We'll start our uh, continuous study that we did last summer in the book of Psalms. We'll try to sing some of these psalms, but we'll start that next week. Come September, we get into the fall and our new season here with new programs. We'll want to start and make up. We're going to get into the book of Matthew. We will get to this chapter in full. So today I want to do kind of two biographical sketches from this text. We're going to look at Joseph and Jesus. We're just going to pull, pull out these things. Again, we'll study this text a little more so uh, a little fuller and deeper in September. I want to see what this, these verses tell us about who Joseph was, because this is one of the bigger descriptions we have of him in Scripture, and also the importance of the birth of Christ. So first, let's look at Joseph. First, we see Joseph was just. He was just. Look at verse 18 and 19. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Jesus. So, stop right there. he Joseph is, like many men, tries to do what men ought to do, marry up, right? So he's trying to, so we'll get to the study on Mary. <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit, but you want to marry up. Teens, find somebody you don't deserve, that's what you're looking for, okay? Marry up, and he does this. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly, he was a just man. What does it mean by just, he was righteous? How do we know he was righteous? Well, let's look at what this text says. In verse 18, we see Mary and Joseph were engaged. And before they had had a physical relationship, Mary was pregnant with the uh, Messiah. At that time, Joseph, verse 20, we'll see in a little bit, had yet to hear from the angel that this was the case. So he, he comes into this situation a little awkwardly, so realizing Mary's pregnant, he's not been with her. Um, two plus two, and she's telling him the answer seven, and he's like, mm, I, don't, I don't know. That's not the math I learned in school. Something's, something's not lining up here, but he was a just man. So she's telling to him to this news, maybe in trepidation, He's hearing this news, but because of his character, he chose to go in a direction that maybe many men in that day would not have because he could have gone the Deuteronomy 22, 23 through 24 route or the Numbers 5, 11 through 34 route where Joseph could have called for her to be stoned. He could have called her to go before the priest. He could have written her a little letter of divorce. He goes, well, I'll go the one, the quietest route. And I'm going to make this, I don't want to bring her to public shame. I don't want harm to come to her because he was a just man. And you think through, what are some of the hardest decisions that you've had to make in your life that were good decisions? I mean, hard decisions, but good. This had to have been one of the hardest decisions that Joseph had ever faced up to this point. You've got to be kidding me. What? What did you say? I'm pregnant. <laughs> With whose child? That's not from a man. Oh, boy. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm marrying up. I'm not that stupid. I, I can figure this one out. But he's trying in, in character to not publicly shame her. Again, for those of you married, imagine prior to your marriage day, your wedding day, prior to maybe even getting engaged, your, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your, your now spouse, if, you, if you're married, comes to you and says, I'm pregnant. You're like, well, we've not been together. So, it's from the Lord. You, that's the story. You would buy that right on the spot? That's how trusting you are of your boyfriend, girlfriend, your fiancé at that time. But Josephine's character is is willing to hold on. I'm not going to bring her public shame. I'm not going to post this on Facebook or Twitter. let it be. Instead of reacting in rage, he decides to go the quiet route. And Matthew connects his response to his character and says he was a just man. He was also patient. He was also patient. Joseph was not a man ruled by knee-jerk reactions. Perhaps you're thinking, well, didn't he already decide to divorce her? Yes, but look at the beginning of verse number 20. But as he considered these things. So it wasn't immediate that he decided, Less I decided to divorce her, we're going right now, grab her by the hand, drag her to the synagogue, and saying, take care of this. We're done. As he considered These things. Joseph's gut instinct was divorce. I'm going to divorce her quietly. But he takes time to process, to think, to work through, is this the best route? So he patiently is working through this. Instead of it, again, he's not reactionary. Instead of immediately dragging her out, decides I'm going to sit on this decision for a little bit. And imagine how different this story would be had he gone through this process. If he would have tried to bring her up to being sown, obviously we believe the Lord would have protected Mary because the Son of God is living inside of her, but he would have been out of the story. But his patience in this time, thinking through this, and not just knee-jerk reaction... All of a sudden, we get to verse 20, and he says, As he's considered these things, as he's thinking through this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So at least he made it to nighttime, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Now imagine... The emotion that's going in Joseph's mind at this point in time. Like going, I mean, just try to put yourself in his shoes. What would you be thinking? What would you be feeling at this point in time? The whole gamut of emotions. There, there's this fear of, I mean, I just met an angel. There's confusion. The virgin's conceiving. There's excitement. We can still get married. I'm going to be a dad. There's anxiety. Is she going to take my apology? Is she going to receive me back? And it, am I truly going to be the father, adopted father of the, of the Messiah? Is this possible? I better not blow this. So, all these different emotions that got to be going through him, Joseph's hearing all this because he was patient in making his decision. Not just knee-jerk reaction. He waited, he considered, and now the angel is giving him the best news of his life. He was also obedient. Look at, look at verses 20 and 21 again. Where do we see his obedience? But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now look down at verse 24. Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to the son, and he called his name Jesus. So real quick, just for those of you wondering, are we sure that Joseph really isn't the father? The text continues to show that Joseph is not the father. In fact, look at chapter 2, verse 13. So flip over to chapter 2, verse 13. We'll continue to see the text continues to show. Matthew's continually trying to show us he's not the dead. Look at verse 13 of chapter 2. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother. So who just got disqualified from that as the father? Take the child, not take your child, and the child's mother. So again, Matthew's continuing to try to show, hey, this Joseph is not the father. But we do see that his obedience, going back to chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, He's given two commands. Take Mary as your wife, and you will name Mary's child Jesus, Yeshua. He does them both. This seems simple, but there's a lot of faith in obeying these two commands. He trusts that the angel and Mary are telling him the truth that God can allow a virgin to conceive and bear a son. And on top of that, he, he has to know The rumors that are going to be coming, doesn't he? He's a just man. He knows what people might say. So what happened? Why are you getting married right now? I thought this was going to be months later. Well, Mary was met by an angel. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. We know where this is going. And when was your anniversary date? When's your kid born? Like, would start doing the math here. He knows this is coming. He knows this has to be coming. And yet he decides, I'm going to marry her anyways. I'm going to obey, simply obey. I'm going to take these steps of obedience, regardless of what it may cost me. So it may seem simple but it's also in great faith. And not just in great faith and what it may cost him, but he also believes that this is the Messiah. This is the Savior of the world. This is the one that we've been waiting for. I'll do whatever I can to start and establish or help bring up his kingdom. He was a, a righteous man, just man. He was a patient man. He was an obedient man. But let me, let me pause here. He was still just a man. He's not the Messiah. He's not the Savior of the world. He's not perfect. He was righteous in practice, but he was not righteous in reality because we all sin. We all break God's law. We all fail. He was patient, but he's not patient like the Lord is patient towards you and I. God is long suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's that kind of patience that God has with us. We went through in our study in Exodus the patience that God had towards the people of Israel. Coming to worship me, we're going to be one. They're like, or, or, we can make a golden calf and bow down to that. The patience of the Lord, his kindness and long suffering towards them. Joseph was obedient but he still sinned. He still blew it like you and I do. So he was just, and he was patient, and he was obedient, but he was still just a man he needs still, even though he was good, he still needs a Savior. And that's where we see about Jesus coming. Jesus is first, next here, the Messiah. Let's look at who Jesus is. Jesus is the Messiah. Look at verse 20. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in dreams, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What was conceived in her was from God and is God. And this takes us back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where the first promise of the Messiah is given. The first gospel is given to us. Listen to this from Genesis three fifteen. I will put, God speaking to Adam and Eve after they blew it, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In the King James, another translation, the word offspring is seen as the word seed. And, and either one is fine, but, but notice it's the woman's seed. It's a woman's seed. How can a woman produce offspring Apart from the man, that's where the man is the seed part in the conception of a child. So here we have the first gospel, the first hint at the virgin birth that man would not be involved in this process. We don't need another Adam with another Eve to make the Messiah. God will do this for us. He will bring through the woman without man a perfect man, a just man, a God man. And Jesus is that, he's fully God, and he's fully man. But this is the first part in Genesis 3.15, the first idea that we get that something is changing, something's gonna happen where Satan will be taken down, his head will be crushed by the one born of a woman, not the one born of a woman and man. Later on, and 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah picks up this thread. And we got the chance to talk about this back in our study on Isaiah. So if you want to go back and listen to that, do so. But back in our study on Isaiah, we went through this in Isaiah chapter 7. We said, therefore the Lord, Isaiah says, the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin, sa- the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Again, picking up this idea, the seed is coming from the woman. The virgin will conceive And bear a son. And that, in that person, that's the one that we're looking for. That's the root of Jesse. That's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. As we follow from, from Isaiah 7 to 9 and 10. And then Isaiah 52 and 53. He's that suffering servant that takes on our sins. By his wounds, we are healed. This is the one we're looking for. But he's coming from a woman. The virgin will conceive and bear a son. He's coming from the line of David, the root of Jesse. And he's fully God and he's man. He's the wonderful counselor again, the mighty God. He's Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Matthew understands Genesis 3.15 and he understands Isaiah Seven fourteen, And he picks this up in verse 22 of our text, like in Matthew 1, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew, you see, this, is the, this has been the Lord's plan all along. What is conceived in Mary is not man's doing, it is God. What is conceived in Mary is the creator Of the universe who, though he was in the form of God, Paul writes in Philippians 2, he did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped for his own advantage, but he emptied himself by taking the form of the servant being made in the likeness of man. Friend, if you're here, you need to understand Jesus is fully God. Jesus is also fully man. He's fully God, he's fully equal with the Father and the Spirit, and yet he added to himself humanity. He became like us. So we have a high priest, as we talked about in our study, in Hebrews a couple weeks back, we have a high priest that knows what we are dealing with. And when we come to him, do you understand and do you know? His answer is always what? Yes, I do. Our great high priest, the Messiah, became like us, Our Messiah our hope the anointed one is fully God and fully man he's also Jesus is also the savior of the world look at verse 21 she Mary will bear a son so from the woman she will bear a son and you Joseph shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins earlier I read Philippians 2 6 and 8 let me read this again who though he was in the form of God Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped for his own advantage, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a sermon. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, what happens next? He humbles himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Why did he die? Why did he suffer? Why would Jesus die on the cross for for you and I? What do we learn from John chapter 3, 16 for, for God? So, loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world Jesus did not come into the world to condemn it but in order that the world might be saved through him Christ died for me he died for you he didn't come here just to condemn you going like you're the worst We should recognize we're the worst and that he's the best, but he says, I came to save you. He came to seek and to save the lost. He didn't come for the righteous or the healthy, right? He came for the sick. For those that realize, I can't do it. I know I have need. He came to seek and to save the lost. He is our Savior. He is also God with us. He is God with us. Look at verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God with us. Since our study in, in Exodus, we went, kept going back to the garden. Remember, we talked about how God was with man in the garden. They're walking around in the cool of the day, and like this is amazing. God is with man. He's with his creation. And then what happens? What happens? They blew it. Adam and Eve blew it. They did not obey his commands. They take the fruit. And fellowship with God is broken, and they're kicked out of the garden. Fellowship with God is broken. It's destroyed. And when in our study in Exodus, it looked like man can be with God again, right? He leads them out of Exodus, leads them I'm sorry, out of Egypt in Exodus, out of slavery he leads them to himself, to the mountain. He says, I'm going to take you to the promised land. This is going to be amazing. God will be with man again. We can be with him again. This is going to be awesome. We have to live with him in his land. This is going to be great. We're back like in this garden type area with our Savior. And what do they do? They, they choose idols. They choose false gods. And what happens? They get kicked out of the land. They repent, the Lord brings them back, and here we get in Matthew 1, this new beginning. This new beginning. This new Genesis. Things are going to start over again, and what do we find? God is with man again. Emmanuel, God is with us. He's with us for some of you that know your Bible, or maybe you recall your search, but isn't he back in heaven? But yes, he left us the Holy Spirit. God, still, the three, great three in one, the Holy Spirit, left us a comforter. So he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. God can be with you, and you can be with him again. Fellowship with God can be had today, friend. You can be with him, walk with him, know him. Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. We can walk through, because we just looked at Genesis 3 and Isaiah chapter 7. He has two of these prophecies that he fulfilled that might help you point to the fact that he is God because he fulfilled some of these prophecies. You know, there's over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Over 300. Somebody did the math in this for one person to fulfill eight prophecies that the Messiah fulfilled. It's like a one in 100 quadrillion chance For somebody to pull off 48 of these prophecies, it's one in the 10th to the 157th power. And we're at 48. We're not even at the 300. We can try to show you the fact that he's quoted by or Jesus is spoken of in secular, by secular historians. We can point to other things that we can say, hey, he lived, we know he died, he was real. We try to reason with you all you want, but friend, listen to me, you and I both know the truth that we are broken. We're sinners. We have blown it. We've gone against the command of God. There's too much order in this world for us to think that there isn't a God. So you'll already admit if you walk into a, a forest and you find a Rolex watch and you think, "This must have just popped up." This is amazing. I can't believe look what the forest made. How did the forest make this? It just must be a happy accident. And that's what some people might have you believe, that you are a happy accident and that you are to live, eat, and drink for tomorrow you die because this is the only thing we have. Or you realize that there's amazing intentional design by an amazing intentional creator who created us in his image and yet we have broken it and we've gone away and we've gone away and we've gone away and yet he still came for us. It's the ultimate redemption story, friend. He loves you right where you're at, knowing all the wrong that you've done. Not only does he love you, he died for you. So what does this mean for us today? You you have to ask this question, do, do you know him as your Savior? Do you know him? For God so loved the world, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but will have eternal or everlasting life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Will you come to Him today? Would you come to Him today? If you have questions, how you can do that? See myself, see a Christian friend that you came with, one of our pastor Ethan and myself, or one of our deacons, we'd love to walk you through how you can know that today those that claim to know Jesus as your Savior and you, you may have heard this story a thousand times I remember reading Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25 it's like a, a family memory of me reading this text incorrectly which led to a lot of laughter i explain that to you later I don't want to get off track but we've read this text since kids so maybe you have heard this time and time again but there are some questions I think that maybe you and I ought to ask of our own heart as we learn about who Jesus is, and, and even just the faith of, of Joseph. Christian, are, are you living a just, righteous life? Are you currently living a just, righteous life? Joseph was known to be a just man. He's not perfect. He's not completely just like his son was. But he was known for being just, are Are you? Will you by faith strive to live righteously this week? Christian, are you patient? Are you known for your knee-jerk reactions? How do you handle hard situations in your home? Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa? Are you known for being snippy and snapping all the time? It's unfortunate when you see People getting older, and they start getting less patient, less sweet. It's like you're, you're missing it. You've not been seasoned with grace. You're not eating from the fruit of the tree of life. You're not displaying the fruit of the Spirit. Grandma and Grandpa, who should be the sweetest, most gracious people? Should it not be the people that have known Christ the longest? Who should have the most patience? When your little grandkids are running around, instead of snapping at them, you love them the way Jesus would because you've known him longer than they've been alive. Longer than your kids have been alive for some of you. Mom and dad, your kids see how they respond, how they should respond to others, by how you respond to them. Is it knee-jerk reaction or is it patient? Patience. Patience knowing this is what I think I'm going to do, but I'm going to sit on this for a little bit. Joseph was patient and thoughtful. Seeing about what we can learn from Joseph, one author wrote, God will guide the thoughtful and the anxious. And when we have looked patiently at a perplexed subject and we know not what to do, then God, as in the case of Joseph, will interpose, to lead, and direct our way. His word, right, is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Christian teen and child, when your sibling gets on your nerves, when they cross the invisible line that you just made on your trip, how do you respond? How you respond, Christian teen and child, shows your heart. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Will you be patient? Will you, child, teen, grandparent single will you choose to be patient and long suffering this week next are you obeying are you obeying Joseph obeyed simply even though he knew it might cost him he knew the ridicule that might come but he said I'm still going to do it he wanted to be a part of God's kingdom he wanted to be a part of his plan whatever may come my way I want to be a part of what he's doing Mary knowing full well you know, what others might say but there's this simple aspect of just trust and obey. For those that are dating, wanting to date, those that are engaged, or maybe like, this is a hope for me, Do you want just recalling to yourself the fact that they were engaged and yet still were not together. That's obedience. That's simple obedience. Like, well, the world, you know, hey, listen, I learned in school. Like, there's nothing wrong with the Bible is going to tell you it's wrong. It's not your wife. It's not your husband. You're not to be together in that way. Will you obey? Will you simply obey? These are the commands that are before you. Walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. These are ways that we show the world that we are his as we obey his commands. Why do you obey him? Because you love him. Why do you love him? Because he first loved you. By faith, Christian. So teens, look at me. I know as a youth pastor, but in reminding you, reminding you, you are to save yourself for your future spouse. Will you obey? Regardless of what the world t- says around you, will you obey? Will you obey your Savior no matter the cost? Take that simple step. Lastly, will you join me in praising Jesus for being our Messiah, our Savior, for being our Emmanuel, God with us. When you looked in the mirror this morning, get ready to come, some of you may be haunted by the decisions you made in the last week, last month, or maybe 30 years ago. Christian, rejoice with me if you know him that you have been forgiven. Rejoice with me that you have been forgiven. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some of you, right now, maybe you're living in sin and you feel mighty dirty. Christian, he can cleanse you. Right now. He can make you whole. Praise Him for that ability. If you're walking right with Him today, praise Him for that ability because you know tomorrow's coming. And we're going to blow it. If it's not in the next 12 hours, the next 24, the next 36, it's coming. But we'll try to do things in our own effort and down we go. But He's my Savior. And he promised me he would never leave me or forsake me. He promised me if I confess my sins, he will cleanse, he will make right. He promised me if I turn to him, he will always turn back. His arms are always open wide. Praise him for that. Praise him for his willingness to come. When we were, Rebecca and I were on our trip, one of the worst days on a cruise is is typically the day you leave. Because you're going from people serving you, giving you goodies and treats and desserts at times. You should never be eating them. And you've got to walk off. You go back, to what, go back to life, back to reality. Jesus left his home. Being served and shouted and praised. Wherever he's going, he's hearing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the earth is full of his glory. Everywhere he's going, the walls are shaking. Because of the praise that's going towards him. And he left his home. To come down to this earth. To have two people he created take care of him. To not hear holy, holy, holy. But to hear blasphemer. Blasphemer. The ones he came to save tried to kill him until eventually they do. And what does he say on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He left his home. For people like you and I that would have been in that crowd, don't fool yourself, you would have been in that crowd like me crucify him crucify him and he forgives even that he is our Messiah he's our Savior he is God with us meaning we can have fellowship with him Christian walk with him now walk with him you have the ability. Turn off the TV. Get back to the room. Open the word. Get on your knees. He's worth it all. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Jesus, we thank you for being our great High priest, our Messiah, our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. We pray for those that are here. Lord, it may be somebody that came today for the first time or somebody who's been in here their entire life but realizes I do not know Jesus as my Savior. Lord, I pray today would be the day of salvation for them. Or may they confess their sin. May they believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and would they call on your name. Lord, help them if they have questions too just come forward and ask ask the friend that they came with but for those of us that know you as Savior praying help us to learn from not only Joseph but also our Savior who were righteous people obedient and patient well, we're thankful that Jesus is righteous obedient and patient we're thankful that we have men and women that have followed you and tried to mimic you like Joseph did Lord, we look to you. So grant us faith to be righteous, obedient, and patient. And Lord, grant us, even today, even with the story that we've heard maybe a hundred thousand times, a million times, how many times we've ever heard it, Lord, give us the faith today to see this in a newer, clear way that our Messiah came to save sinners like me. In Jesus' name we pray.